A couple of weeks ago, we started in Psalm 1 with this uh, uh, Songs for Our Soul series. So we just three little psalms to help us. Psalm 1 gave us a training program for our soul, so to delight in and meditate on God's Word, those two things. Psalm 131 taught us to soothe our souls by putting our hope in the Lord. And Psalm 103 calls us, as Steve shared with us, to look up and out in praise, which isn't going to be easy because I reckon, I think Aussie blokes... Praise can feel like a weird thing to do. Just, just with the, just, the lips just don't quite do it with any, anyone or anything. Uh, so we're going to think about that, and hopefully this psalm will actually move us. So uh, will you join me? We'll briefly pray to ask God to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And Lord, you have worked on me with this psalm. And I pray, Lord, that tonight you would work on me again, and that you and others would do business together, that your Holy Spirit would change us. Father, please help us to both appreciate what is going on inside of us, but then because of that, to be able to look up and out, knowing that you have provided everything that we need. And Lord, we, we, we anticipate a, a deeper experience of praising you uh, as we have already in song, but again, after we hear you speak to us now. So Lord, please, uh, may I speak truly uh, what you would like your people to hear. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I really do think that. Like, I genuinely feel, I'll be personal, just for me, I, when I, the, the praise bits of the Bible are the bits that seem the most slightly just different in the language. Is, it, is that you too? Like, uh, uh, most bits of the Bible I could read and feel like and, and speak the same way as and feel like it's kind of normal, but if I were to say those exact words, it'd be a little bit, little bit fake, you know, a little bit like the handbag that's actually cake. Uh, you guys have seen this show. It's, it's, it's crazy. that they, they just have random things. Like, that's a TV. No, no, it's a cake. And just cut into it and do stuff. Um, and it's weird when something that's so normal and central is strange on our lips. Um, I'm not sure if it's because the language that we're translating into has sort of become culturally formal religious language over time, and maybe that's why it seems a little bit strange. It's sort of a little bit like uh, you're out of place in a formal setting, maybe because we don't like, as Australians, anyone thinking that they're better than anyone else, so we're cutting down tall poppies, so we're not really propping them up with praise. That's not a part of our habits. I'm not sure, but whatever the reason, when I read out something like Psalm um, 150, for example, I feel like I should read it in an English accent. It's very, nat it's very natural. Like, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Like, 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 that's, that, like I can read that and feel like the accent suits the, the words. But like, in just my normal sense, like, uh, it just seems a little bit weird to say, oh, you're a little beauty to God or something like that. That seems not quite right either. But, but yet saying... And I let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Um, just, it, it feels so weird. They're not the words you can imagine the bloke down the pub saying. And yet praise psalms like Psalm 103, we're doing 103 tonight. They're a huge percentage of the psalms. They are the second, uh, second highest category of psalm. Lament psalms, lament psalms. Now, it, it wasn't lost on David himself as he wrote this particular praise psalm, that we don't always feel like praising God. And you can see it there in verse 1, because he is at it with this talking to himself thing again. He has to tell his soul some things. 
because presumably his soul doesn't already isn't convinced enough of those things. Now I say he has to tell his soul, and sure that's prob probably why. It's, if someone could grab me some water, I'm sorry, my mouth is really dry. If anyone is able to grab me a cup of water, that would probably help a lot. Thank you so much. Um, struggling to get any words out. <laughs> Uh, but David is Israel's king and songwriter as well. So, so it's because he knows that his people will need to, to do this too. It's as the Davidic king that he writes this for us. The, the, the subjects of Jesus, his great-great-grandson, the, the greatest Davidic king. And he's got these five things that he has to say to his soul. Five things he has to say to his soul. So we're going to go through them. First one is, praise God obviously. Oi soul, he says, praise him, actually do it. Don't just know that he deserves praise and don't just feel a sense of, oh, isn't that a beautiful sunset? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was me. That was my bad grab, mate, not yours. Mm. Oh, Life-giving. Um, he says to, to, to actually articulate it, to, to speak it. To, to vocalize the blessings that have come from God's hand to you. Tell people what difference God has made in your life. How often is that the topic of our conversations? I feel like David wants it to be whatever it is. I feel like David wants to up it. So as the congregation gathers for feasts in the temple, this is one of the psalms he was hoping that they would sing for when they gather, just as we're gathering now. Now, to, to praise God and not have it to be a lie actually requires something. It requires that you actually have something to praise God for, right? Otherwise, you're just buttering someone up, just, just flattery. And God doesn't want flattery. God doesn't want sycophantic, you know, untruths that are just very nice. He doesn't want silly fanboys and girls. He only wants deserved praise, which means that, that David needs to actually tell his soul to do a second thing, which is remember. Remember all his benefits. Remember the benefits of being with God. He forgives all your sins. All is a big word. All is a very big word. I, I, I don't know if you know anyone who you're confident would forgive you no matter what you did. Do you know anyone who would forgive you no matter what you did. See, there is actually some kind of price on every friendship, isn't there? There should be. That kind of values it at one level. But, uh, you know, like, I, 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 I love my wife dearly, but if I did put a leech in her bed, I am pretty sure <laughs> this, 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 is, this is the worst thing that could happen in the universe. It would be, it, the relationship would be scarred. If you do not have a friend who would forgive you no matter what you did, then you have no better friend than God. He has been the best to you of any person that you know, no matter how great you think other friends are. Now, it's, it's interesting here with this. Um, you see here, uh, he's, um, he, he's saying, okay, so praise the Lord, my soul, then rem remember so you can actually stop and reflect on what do I have to praise God about? But there's a very beautiful thing about the, um, the, the, um, the tenses here. Because poetry's always playing with things like tense and, and, and that sort of stuff. Did you notice in these verses I've got on the screen that they're actually present tense? They are like said like he's still doing them. So you've, you've got, um, for Israel, their, their blessings weren't um, sort of 
future in the new creation. They're, they're these present things for them, these present things that they're experiencing as if they follow the Old Testament law, if the nation is in good with God, then they are getting, they are getting their diseases healed. They are materially prosperous. Uh, the, the promises to them were very specifically different than, than they are for us. The, they were going to have lots of wine and lots of food if they trusted in their God who wanted to give them good things. And so they would have had many things to reflect on in their current time. But I think for us, and even for them too, is that even as, even as David is asking us to remember, he's saying it in that present tense, so that it's not just that God did those things, not just Jesus died on the cross for you. You know, you remember the old thing. It's praise him because that's what he continues to do. Not to die, but to forgive. He continues to actually do that when you sin again. The sun, I'm looking forward to come. I'm going to predict now. I might be wrong. God might come back. But I'm going to predict now. The sun will come up tomorrow morning. And I'll be able to say, God, you did it again. So good. You acted consistently with your character that you have said that until you come back and return, night and day will not cease. There's something about, as we remember the past... Uh, and the way that this, this psalm has phrased things, that it's also helping us to see that this is the way God is going to continue to be with us as our friend. Six, have a look there at verse 6. Uh, do I have a, it on this one? Next one. You see here, see here um, uh, he cares about the oppressed. He, he's there with them. He's slow to anger, but yet full of love. These are the things we need to remember. Uh, he is so gentle and patient with people. I mean, I remember as a kid, um, you know, the, the, the father there is, the inter- is an interesting... Um, oh, that's later on. Yep. So the, uh, the, the, I remember when I um, uh, was a kid, mum would sometimes say, and this would only happen at very serious moments, and I, I, I remember the phrase, wait until your father gets home. Um... And the question was, what do you expect? Because, you know, my dad was a, was a, was a, was a good man. He was a... But, but truth mattered to my father and, 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 and justice mattered to my father. And um, some punishments left marks. Like, like that, this, is, this, is, this is how it was. And so you, you, what do you expect, though, when Dad, when, when Heavenly Father comes home? Or when you go to Him with repentance and asking to be forgiven with your sin? Well, David says, don't remember what your dad was like when you were a kid. Remember what God has always been like with you in the past. Remember how rich your lives are full of mercy. Think of what you could possibly deserve to be punished for, and have you? Have you received what you deserve? Or actually, has God almost been, almost been disciplining you by continuing to show you mercy when you are so convinced you just need to be punished so you can feel, almost feel better about it? Now, look, a, a word for dads here, I, I, and, and the men who the little kids at Seoul look up to like you're their dads. So this is pretty much in one sense for all the men here at Seoul. God here, uh, it, it's, it's, it's later on in the passage, we'll get to the, the exact verse, but, but God is using your goodness to tell the world what he is like when he says, as a father has compassion with his children, so is the Lord towards his people. So if you want to know what God is like, going to be like with you, look at the dads and what they're like with their kids. 
It's a big thing for God to actually use you as like, like it's not like, oh, you know, dads are a little bit like God. It's like, no, God's a little bit like dads. And you're like, well, gee, I hope the dads are compassionate. Now, I'm not saying have no boundaries. I'm not, so be a man of your word, please, or your compassion won't be worth much. Uh, but when God was searching around for the best example of compassionate understanding of a child who is just weak, just, just unable to cope with the scenario, and is acting out in all sorts of inappropriate ways. He looks to you, fathers and men of soul, as the one to be the example of compassion, of the ones who stop and think, what must they be going through? And how can I actually stop and bother to understand them first? Rather than simply assert that it makes me uncomfortable that you're misbehaving, so I'm going to stop that behavior as fast as I can to remove my discomfort. Which brings us to the fourth thing, if I don't accidentally flick way, way, way down the, uh, down the page here. Um, our fourth thing, which is that David needs to tell his soul, which is God's special heart for his people. If you are a part of God's people, there actually is a special love awaiting you. You see, here's, here's where we get to that verse about the Father. Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And then down here in 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He's taking into account your weaknesses. He's taking into account what you're good at and what you're bad at. He's, he's taking into account when your system's overloaded, and he's like, well, yeah, I get that that decision was made in that state. <laughs> he's like the best of dads. And that is a special thing for his people for people who belong to him. So soul, remember, as we, as we partake of the meal, remember, as you, as you express your being part of the family, remember that God gets it. He gets you. He's even got Jesus up in the throne room, specifically making excuses for you. Hey, God, it's pretty rough when you're about six years old, man. Tell me, well, I went through it. It's hard being a human. Not that God the Father doesn't know it, but he wanted us to have that representative in his throne room. Now, verse, that verse 14, it's, it's, it's just an incredible one. He doesn't forget. He remembers. He actively, he actively calls to mind our limitations, our, just our dustiness, that we are not God, and he's not going to expect of us more than he can ask. And the fifth thing that David says to his soul is that this guy is the ruler. This God is the king, in verse 19. Uh, he rules, he's powerful, he rules over heaven and earth. And, and so in this way, he actually gets back to the topic of verse 1 again. Soul, you, you have to praise God. This is the task, this is, this is the duty, this is the job you have in the scheme of the universe, is that there is one who is great and he's in charge. And like, uh, like that, that, that's, that's what you owe him. Soul, remember that. Remember that's your job. You had one job. There's a lot of self-talk here. Like, like you've got one bit of David addressing a different bit of himself, telling his soul all these things. Now, um, you remember a couple of weeks ago I used the quote. Um, it's, a, it's, it's originally, it was Margaret Thatcher used it. It was originally a Lao Tzu quote, um, uh, made of Confucius's. Uh, watch your thoughts because they'll become your actions. Watch your actions for they'll become habits. Watch your habits 
for they will forge your character and watch your character, for it will make your destiny. Now, it's a powerful quote. It, it, it summed up the power of that, what we're doing when we're meditating on and, and, and uh, does, uh, meditating on and delighting in uh, the scriptures, the word of God, and how that flows through the rest of life. So I used that quote when we did that. But I, I did so knowing that we'd get to this point, where we'll just recognize that that quote's a bit one-directional. Did you notice, not, not the band, like, did you notice how like, it started out going from whatever I think, ultimately will actually end up being what, what happens to me. Like if, if you follow the whole chain through. Now each link has got something really true to say, but I, I wonder if it's true that it's just that way, that what comes from the inside comes towards the out. Because what we're being told here is David, does, David's, his insides don't particularly want to praise God, but he's just, he's just making them. And you think, is that... Is that, is that right? Isn't it supposed to be that it's supposed to be from the inside out? Isn't that the, 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 particularly the New Testament thing? Well, actually, it works in both ways. As our hearts make the choice to change what I do with my mouth, then that's also, as I do something with my mouth, that's actually going to change what's happening in my brain. It's going to rewire me a little bit. And then, of course, what I do with my body, that's going to change my relationships. As I'm with someone and, and they constantly hear me praising God, it's either going to make them run away, possibly, not likely, or they'll think, wow, what an, what, this person loves this God very much. Yes, God sounds great. It'll change your relationships. It might change their relationships. It, it'll, it'll change if... In my mind, I have a different thought as I read the Bible. I think, oh, that's true. That's true about God. That'll actually trigger my, my heart to feel differently about God as I remember his love. As you choose to remember, the second thing David asked his soul to do, to remember his benefits, to remember his kindness. Oh, that's right. I haven't been seeing God right for a little while, have I? And then the same as the, as the Holy Spirit does his work, that's going to do his work out into my heart and some of my emotions are going to change. But then also if a brother or sister comes from my social circle and comes and loves me and, and does something kind to me, that's going to, and, and I receive that as a gift from God, that's going to change my, my, how, I, well, how my mind works and how my heart works. You see how all these different little parts of us are interrelated. And so yes, it is true that my thoughts will flow through the rest of me. But so also my sin so also my praise so, so when, when I encourage you when David encourages his soul praise the Lord like do it like, like actually say the words like actually make, find a space where you can do it if you need to find your words first go to the back room and it's not a bad place to do it Jesus says anyway go to the back room where there's no one there and praise God pray do that for a while until you can. it sounds normal on your lips or you, you find words that make sense for you to, to honestly say what's in here about God's goodness to you. And that will change you as well. These things are the same. So just as we sort of want to love God enough that I'll avoid sin and trust God enough that I'll avoid sin, also, if I do sin, it changes whether I can trust God too. We're, we're porous in each, more than one direction as human beings. And so we want to bring all of the parts of ourselves to God to have him transform them, including what we say. Because that will help with the other parts too. Now, um, 
we, uh, we've actually asked this question a few times as we've gone through uh, the last year or so of Seoul, thinking about the big picture of the Bible. And, and I've asked you guys many times before, well, at least a couple, why did God make the universe? Uh, why did God make it like he did? Why did he start at one point, but then allow it to go wrong? When he could have just, why can't we just go to chapter 10? Why can't we just go to heaven straight away? And the, the answer is that God, God wants people to see what true love really looks like. Uh, not just in the context of the Trinity, where you've got Father, Son, and Spirit being just delightfully having a party forever. But Satan can say, well, yeah, but what if, but what if someone actually hurts you? Oh, would you really? Would you, would, you, would, you, would you really still love them then? You can see sort of how Job, the book of Job, is kind of almost like a, a questioning of the Trinity's love for itself as well. Like not just God, not just humanity's love for God, but uh, we'll, you, you, you just love each other, this, this perfect community of the Trinity. What would happen if you guys didn't? What would happen if you had a fight? There's never going to be one in the Trinity. <laughs> and the Father wanted his son to walk the path of the cross for men and women who spat on him, who hated him, to show people what true love looked like so that his son would have the glory of being the, the saviour of a world who hated him and still loving them in every moment so that he would be praised for just how good he truly is. It, not just in theory but in practice because he went through the hard yards he took the glorious route and the blood sweat and the tears this is why it's good to recognize what jesus went through the cross and take a moment like we will later to remember because that's the whole point that Jesus, the Son, would be praised. That's what the Father wanted. That's why the whole story happened. Now, Friday night, I joined up with some uh, Nepalese gentlemen. Uh, I got to know a bloke uh, when I went to a futsal center the other day, a guy named Sudeep, and then I met another bloke. I was like, what's your name? He's like, Sudeep. Another guy, what's your name? Sudeep. Those are about seven of the guys. Um, so it was great because I just could yell that out and I'd know who to pass to. It was easy. Uh, but my legs didn't like <laughs> my legs when I told them, yeah, just pass to Sadeep. Like, they, they, they struggled. I was, I was tired. It was really, really hard. But there were some of those guys who they would, they'd relax, play the game. They were very, very good. I, I could play. In the, I could play. It was just still fine. I didn't feel completely stupid. But uh, some of the guys would just play the, play the whole game, and then you get to the, sort of the end a little bit, or when the game was online, they're like, all right, now I'm going to go on the glory run. There's just that moment of like, I'm going to show you. I've just been passing around now. I'm just going to show that I'm actually the best guy here. God is not a glory hog when he says that the purpose of all creation is to praise his son. He's not the dad on the sidelines of the soccer game. He's like, oh, my son's the best and, 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 and just sort of irrationally wanting things that aren't fair that aren't deserved. Remember, remember we, earlier we said God doesn't want fake praise? He only wants to be recognized for what he's actually done? I mean, imagine what it would be like if, if all the time, you and me, every single moment, we were speaking about how good God is, how great Jesus has been to us on the cross. You see, because if that were true, then maybe God would get a millionth of the credit that he deserves. 
God says, praise me in his word, not because out of this horrible sense of ego, but because that would be to be truthful. That would be to be not only truthful to who we are, it's because it's our job and our role, but because, because of who he is. It is right and good. It, it, is, it is the best thing for us. Um, Ephesians 1 says that, that the purpose for the church is that we might exist, we might be for the praise of his glory. So the thing is, the universe does not revolve around you. It doesn't revolve around me. We've got a place in it, a very special place in it, and that role matters, but the place is to point to someone else. And so is that how you evaluate your life? It's half the time my brain's got a, oh, no, that's right. This is, this is actually about someone other than me, I'm j- and I'm just trying to get his goals done. And that's when I can take joy and rest because, uh, because that, that is to be the most myself that I could possibly be. David says here that we need to praise. We need to look outside of ourselves. Not to, not to be constantly, yes, yes, we've got to know, know what's in here. So Psalm 1, look inside Psalm, Psalm uh, 22, which we didn't get to do. Psalm 131, yes, understand and look inside and see what's going on here. Deal with your soul, quieten it, deal with your anxieties, sure. But the purpose of that is actually to get our eyes up and outwards, to not turn in on ourselves, but so that we would look inside, see what it is that God has dealt with and already taken care of, so, and look up to his gospel with great joy, and then praise him for the sunsets. You've seen some of the sunsets in the last week and a bit just unbelievably stunning. I've never seen anything like it. And I was sort of always a little bit like, ah, Brisbane's got better sunsets. And I'm like, ah, no, I can't say that anymore. That was incredible. What we say changes us. Whether we're looking inside or whether we're, whether we're and, and thinking only about here, or whether we're looking up, seeing what God is doing in the present. Whether you, you, you look at, like, I mean, whether you, whether you look at Brad and, and Lachlan in the back and you're like, man, those guys, they're just there and they're serving and no one ever, no one ever you know, uh, like uh, sort of sees it. You do, but you, but you sort of don't because you face it this way. Or, or, or whether you um, sort of see, um, you know, the, the thinking gears ticking in Benjamin's head as he's choosing the songs through the week when you, the way that he sends out the email and you can see that he's trying to praise God. And um, what we say, when we, if we can articulate and praise God for what he's doing in people, like to, to, to be looking outwards of ourselves and see what other people are up to in their praise and, and just be thankful and encouraging and actually articulate it. Praise God for it. Say, God, you must be pretty awesome to actually be remaking humans like this because look at them go and they're doing it for you. God, you're great. The very articulation of it has power. Now, I think it does mean that we do actually have to be disciplined with our, our speaking. Not just in not saying bad words, but in disciplining our speaking to say good words. Don't, don't, don't live a sloppy emotional life and call it being authentic. Now, we need to be authentic. We need to be honest. I'm not saying anything against that. But if that's just an excuse for, for a sloppy emotional life where we don't instruct our souls and therefore change our words... That's just being rudderless, not authentic. Led around by the emotions like a dog in heat. This is a, a little, little scene here from the throne room 
this is a sneak peek into the future. This is where it all ends up. They sang a new song saying, You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's the song that all heaven will be singing, all creation will be singing in the last day. That's how it's going to go. That's what we're going to get towards. Guess we should get in practice and enjoy praising him. Because at that end of the day when God comes back, we'll all be like, ah, I realize now it feels a little bit silly looking inwards and thinking only about myself. Would have been much wiser. It's, it's, it's the perspective now when God's come back, it's so clear. This whole of his creation was always about knowing God, looking up and seeing what he's done, looking back to seeing what he's done, and praising him for being so good to us. That's what we're going to do now in a moment in communion. But let's pray together briefly. Father, we ask now that as we sing together, as we praise your name, that, Lord, we would both, in the time between the end of this prayer and the start of the, start of the, um, uh, the song, that we would instruct our souls that all that is within us, that our, our innermost being, that we would draw up everything that we have in praise to you. Father, please, by your Spirit, make that powerful so that we may, with all we have, do what we were born and born again to do. Please, we ask it in Jesus' name and for his honour. Amen.